1: welcome to season two episode 76 of comic book nation the official podcast of comicbook.com i'm your host kofi alon with me today i have my co-host matthew aguilar yay yay and somebody we haven't seen in a while since this pandemic started but uh, just so happened he got a brand new mic today and so we were like let's put that thing to good use mr jamie lovitz with us how's it going fellas and if uh if you're just getting into the show these days you haven't seen jamie he was on a lot in season one but um he is our like weekend editor he also is our resident star trek guru and one of our comic gurus which was appropriate for today's episode because star trek discovery season three has just dropped and uh me and jamie are gonna gonna get into that because we are i guess the two star trek guys around here so we got to talk about and represent for star trek on the, age, on the excellent uh, CBS All Access uh, that is just coming back again, like I said. And we're going to talk about some big things that are happening all across the board. We got horror TV to talk about. We got regular Marvel TV or Marvel stuff to talk about. We got a couple anime mentions, some gaming stuff. And we're going to deep dive into what's going on in some big events in comics this week. We're going to do an, X, uh, an X-Men X of Swords update plus... We're going to tackle Amazing Spider-Man Fifty, and the final big reveal of that series' kind of long-running villain kindred has been made, and it is something to talk about. Plus, it looks like Matt wants to stump for Captain Marvel in here too.
2: So <laughs> it's, uh, in. it's ten of swords going forward.
1: Ten of swords, like ten know, of swords. since since when? Yeah, it's always to, been
2: ten of swords. Oh, you're, that's you're, not what you're, Hickman you're said. You were
1: handing Charlie, you were handing Charlie Ridgley another rim, a win. I thought
2: Charlie said it was it was X. Yeah, it, it's a tarot thing. The ten yeah, of swords card. I, yeah, I, I listened to
1: that episode. That's what t- Charlie was arguing that it was ten of swords. At this point, I don't care. I call it X. I call it ten because it works anyway. That's that's the genius of Hickman because I mean <laughs> X is like a swords clashing. It's X men. You know. I mean, it's 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 a lot of stuff so
2: stands for the same thing as the x and xfl is yeah. what it
1: is yeah so <laughs> here we go we're going to talk about this marvel <laughs> x-men men event something of sorts that we will get into the latest chapters of uh and like i said captain marvel so let's start at the top uh one thing we did not mention but uh we're definitely going to get into is right at the top we're going to talk about dc comics so a lot of weird stuff has happened over DC Comics over like the last year or so. Um, there was uh, some massive downsizing that happened. And there was this plan that they had for kind of, it wasn't, I don't even know how to describe it. I've always been like kind of weirded out about the language, but it was uh, DC 5G, which was their kind of reordering of their timeline into these generations that were going to make more sense for the kind of established canon. And start with, like, Generation 1. They were going to make Wonder Woman this first hero and was going to go up to the current generation of heroes, which would be four, and then introduce Generation 5, which would be these future heroes where uh, kind of people like Bruce Wayne and and Clark Kent kind of began to age and a new breed of heroes needed to rise up. So that all got canceled with uh, Dan Dido and, you know, him leaving or, or being kind of let go from DC Comics. And everybody's been kind of wondering what the remains of 5G would be and, like, what's going to be done with all this. And now we know. So what are we going to get? We are going to get DC Future State, which is this kind of uh, mini event that they're packing into January and February of 2021, where it looks like essentially they're just trying to burn through the entire <laughs> 5G concept in just like one massive kind of quote unquote event dump. Um, but what this will do is kind of, it, it'll basically break from the current line of DC comic storylines and kind of look in on these visions of... Basically, like we said, the 5G concept would be like when these heroes started to age out, what this new age of heroes would look like in those kinds of stories that could potentially set the stage. And um, we have a full breakdown. There's a whole press release. There's covers I did, like there's like 20 covers we posted on comicbook.com DC. And you can check out some of them are cooler than others. Um, some of the concepts do look kind of interesting, but uh, I feel like this is just kind of like taking the 5G and, and dumping it as a kind of hype event. And then picking and choosing the elements you like that are going to
0: work. And then just being like, yay. But I mean, that's awesome.
2: Personally,
0: that's great.
2: It's like those two months when Marvel canceled all its books during Secret Wars, right? It was like, let's just do a bunch of other weird stuff. And if people like yeah. it, we'll bring it back when we put the continuity back.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, but like, okay, you guys are so cynical. This is like, I feel like this is. Uh, that the wasn't, best. I loved that Secret Wars Yeah, <laughs> That wasn't cynical. Yeah, I, okay, I don't hate way, that.
1: I, I don't hate any of this. I, I love the DC. Okay. I love that's all not all how you really things. delivered no, no, it, though. Look. You
0: were like, oh, it's some cool things. Like, there's some but really know, cool stuff at, in but here. But it is a massive reduction of what 5G was. But supposed. 5G was flawed anyway. Like, that's okay, the point that the DO's whole 5G plan. Was kind of. You're going in the woods that I will not follow you. Well, into I'm saying life. like that plan was not necessary. I love the concept because like DC leans hard into their legacy characters and that's what makes them special. That's actually why, in some cases, like some of the best stories have been heroes passing the baton to other heroes and then DC gets cold feet and then goes back to the status quo. And 5G was like this like overcorrect. Like I felt like 5G was this whole, like we're going to do everything. Everything has to be line wide. And what I love about this is that it's not new 52. It's not this permanent status quo change. We're gonna do all this really cool stuff. Some of the seeds has already been planted, right? And then we're going to exactly like you said, cherry pick the things that the characters we want to move in to continuity. But like, I feel like this is a much smarter way. It's over two months Yes, there's a ton of tie-ins and stuff, but like then things revert to the regular continuity and some of those stories. Like it's not a wipe and a race, which is what DC does all the time. This is actually like yeah. a a smart way to implement that 5G stuff and yet not just like hit the throttle and throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Like that's I feel like that's the best part. Like, like Joe moving, hopefully, Joe uh Moline of Far Sector, like moving into Uh, red axe like some of those characters like coming into the core continuity or or being established in earths themselves that's really cool uh andy is like suddenly grown up Uh, aquaman and mara's daughter is like suddenly grown up are we going to keep that are we not there's some really cool stuff in here and i like the idea of it springing and then like it's just two months though like it's not this line wide you got to get your brain around it and then you can go back to the status quo. like i like that Keep in
2: mind, too, that DC right now has been seeing a lot of success with its uh, middle grade graphic novels and with its uh, black label books. Uh, The book market is very big right now. And so by doing this as this kind of self-contained event, it'll be two months in the direct market. But it's, in theory, a kind of self-contained stories that they can then put into book markets to kind of double dip. So it makes marketing sense. Plus, whatever... Continuity is whatever. I enjoy continuity. But what I'm looking at is John Ridley writing Batman and Becky Cloonan doing Midnighter and uh, Gene Yang coming back and doing stuff. That's what has me excited is that they cleared the deck for a lot of their, uh, a lot of new voices to come in or voices like Gene Yang who have been there, but not necessarily, you know, their Superman run kind of got overshadowed to come and do something that is all theirs. And that to me is very exciting.
0: Yeah, Their middle grade stuff has been some of the best stuff they've been putting out in like mm-hmm. over the last two years. So yeah, definitely. And their graphic just graphic novels in general. I
1: like yeah. the creative aspect, but I like to be balanced so I keep a cynical thing and like, I just want to call this what this is because to me this is kind of like making the best situation out of a lot of muddled mess you have. I feel like this is also, we haven't gotten into it, but this is going to be what they're now doing is spinning this 5G concept into being kind of the outcome of whatever happens in dark night death metal. So mm-hmm. I feel like this metal stuff has become a muddled mess with the multiverse and all this crazy crap. The five G stuff has just become a muddled mess with all this crazy crap. And they're just going to like, try to like kind of Houdini this whole thing into something at least hype and worthwhile. And it could work out. I'm not doubting the plan for the reasons you said, like, I mean, a really cool kind of some some of this dark detective stuff, the Batman, I could see being a black label or getting kind of deeper into this like later on. So I'm not against it. But like, I just like to point out that I feel like I see pieces of a lot of mess that are being swept together. in And yeah. like, here we it's- go, let's just kind it- of fix it- ourselves here. <laughs>
2: If you want the cynical version of what we talked about earlier, does anybody remember Convergence, the event they came up with to cover while they yes. moved from the East coast to the West coast? Nobody remembers that series, that was terrible. but, but they took, you know, it was a <laughs> way for them to set up uh, resetting Superman's continuity yeah. for DC rebirth, which people seem to enjoy. I didn't really follow it, but people liked having that Superman back. So I feel like this is another one of those things where even if the event doesn't quote unquote matter, in a year from now, there are still pieces of it that they're going to see what's popular in pull. Uh, and hopefully agree. it's something more enjoyable than the Batman Who Laughs.
0: I, I think that, but I think in like the differences between Convergence and some of those other things that those were meant to be those weren't just throwing stuff at a wall. Like there was actually like, eh. there was there was eh. a plan. No, there was a plan in place the, and it the failed. Plan was the execution cover. was terrible on those things. And like I said in a tweet earlier, I'm really excited about this. It comes down to execution. If you nail it, oh, absolutely. you actually tell great stories, then it'll be fine. But in the past, what they've done is they just kind of stick to their editorial mandate and they don't tell good stories. So it, it doesn't succeed in either way. And then we get like two things that people liked and they take them. That's it. Hopefully, this is not that.
2: Well, th- this is this may be a chance uh, for, you know, they had that editorial shakeup. This could be like the chance for that new leadership team to come out and say, "Here's what we've got.
1: Uh, it's good." Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna see how it goes. It's kicking off January, February of 2021. So we're gonna check out uh, DC Future State. As I said, we have a whole kind of gallery with the full. Kind of announcement from DC with the details, the creative teams, all that stuff. Uh, A gallery of covers. It all kind of at least looks pretty cool. So uh, check that out on comicbook.com DC. Moving right along to other reboots we're getting. Dexter. Didn't think this would happen in 2020, did you? But uh, Dexter's coming back. If you don't know, uh, Dexter was basically a 2000s to 2010 series uh, that was really popular it, after kind of breaking out on six feet under michael c hall stepped into this role as dexter and uh, it was about a serial it was on the wave of that big like the big guy, i mean i don't like calling it the serial killer wave but uh you know there was this wave of serial killer tv that really jumped off in the 2000s to uh 2010
2: complicated men was the trend what was it complicated men that's no. essentially what it was.
1: Complicated, man. Yes.
0: I um, mean, no, but- Showtime's whole shtick for it feels like for years. <laughs> yeah, AMC, right. HBO. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Man. We're not going to get into that. We're going to leave that one alone. Um, <laughs> but basically, it was about a sh- serial killer who had kind of harnessed his urges to kill other serial killers, which on paper was a pretty, pretty awesome premise. And it had a great cast led by Michael C. Hall. But um, infamously, because I, I really got into this business like when Dexter was coming through his later seasons and, and coming towards an end. And I just remember just like the dumpster fire of those last couple seasons after Dexter had hit like this really strong stride, specifically with like the John Lithgow season um, and that whole thing, and which ended with his, you know, spoilers on a very... Very, oh, yeah. very, 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 <laughs> very old, old season, show. Uh, show, but uh, it ended with his wife, of course, being being killed. So, yeah, I'm kind of ambivalent. I'm here. I'm hoping like this revival or reboot that they're now doing in 2021 is gonna kind of be like more of a course correction and not just you know Jordan coming out of retirement again, you know, to uh, embarrass himself. So, thoughts? Was anybody really burned by Dexter here? I only ever saw
2: the first couple seasons, so I wasn't there for the dumpster fire at the end.
0: Uh, I I was the same way. I I left. Like, I just lost interest midway, and then I heard about the finale so much that I went and watched it. I was like, oh, oh, that's disappointing. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I, I kind of feel the same way you do, though. Like, I feel like there should be a Connor situation where, like, they go back and just say, hey, that didn't, that didn't really happen. Let's just take pieces we like and ignore others and just, like, pick up. Like, let's just move. Um, you know, we'll see if they do that or not.
1: Yeah, it was like I didn't get into, like, the later season. I watched the lift gal season because I had heard so many great things about it and the Trinity Killer and that whole storyline which was excellent. And I also had a friend from high school who ended up being on that show. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I never, but it was never like my jam. I wasn't into Showtime as hard back then. So this, if anything, this is kind of making me curious to go back and rewatch Dexter now and like kind of catch up and see like what is going on and like what this is going to be, what, like what I'm in for and kind of getting this new but they didn't announce it in the best way possible. Like I do have to kind of shout out the, the marketing for this. They just <laughs> Dexter on Showtime, which I didn't even know was like a Twitter thing, like appeared and it just said, surprise M Effer. And didn't you say MFR? He's back, Dexter. And it was just like a promo, like a little teaser promo, which is just I mean that's right up there with my Frank's Red Hot advertising. I love that. Like I love companies when they kind of when they take the bold approach.
2: Where did that show leave him? Like, all I've heard is something about a lumberjack. I don't really understand.
0: So you were asking me, yeah, you are asking me. Matt he faked his, his own death. Stuff. That's right. And he's now under the guise of a lumberjack. And it was, you know, it was just like people either expected... like major ramifications or him to die, right? Like there was some, there was kind of some, and then for it to just kind of feel like, Oh no, he's just, he just, he just leaves and he's just out there. And it it didn't feel like there was a resolution to anything either way, whether either side of the extreme, whether you wanted him to die or whether you wanted to keep killing, it just felt like it felt like a mid season finale, not a series Mm. finale is what most people seem to feel. So interesting but he's yeah. a lumberjack
2: yep on a scale of one to game of thrones i want to know how people how well, people there was rank a that ending.
1: driving a boat into a hurricane there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in that uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's all it's kind of it was a nuts it was a nuts finale and people were really mad and yeah So I don't know. I'm not going to dwell on this. I I really, I mean, the end is I didn't expect Dexter to come back. I'm kind of ambivalent. I now need to go back and actually sit down and like watch this series and see what it's all about and kind of come back to it. But uh, if you're kind of, were a big Dexter fan. Yay. Happy for you, 2020. (laughs) Other things we didn't know we were going to be getting this year. We're getting a Buck Rogers reboot. Yay. Yeah. I mean yeah I I never really all these old serial characters I always just kind of grimace when they're kind of rebooted because they come from times and places I I don't know there's a lot of questionable stuff in these things and it didn't work out so well for like John Carter and Tarzan never successfully made a comeback and I don't know that they need to yeah like I don't I don't don't need to root for like Civil War scapey John Carter
2: yeah Um, that's what that was all in um Oh, what's it called? Lovecraft Country, Yeah, right? they do agree. He's job like, he was a
1: confederate? That. I'm sorry. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah, I love that show, Lovecraft Country, but uh, that's a different thing. So, yeah. He, but basically, Buck Rogers, you see it imitated all the time. It's about a man who goes down a mine and wakes up way in the future, in the middle of a future war. Like, I don't know. It, it's one of those things I feel like that concept is crazy outdated. Uh, there's so many ways that could go wrong. I, I mean, but I guess it's at Legendary, so I guess you could also get it kind of right. I am not sure. Uh, unless anybody has any strong feelings about Buck Rogers, I'm not going to dwell on that. Uh, I'm going to move right along. We're also getting a reboot of uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and coming to our new hero, which is Amazon Prime. We've been talking about how Amazon Prime is, like, quietly creeping up and really kind of going for the gold as the streaming kind of king, especially with some original series. And we've also been talking about how they've quietly been scooping up like popular IPs that they're refashioning, like um, like uh, whatchamacallit, Lord of the Rings. What was the other big one they got this year? Uh, Fallout. Fallout, that's right. Oh, so yeah. we have like Fallout coming. Now they're going horror route with I Know What You Did Last Summer. Got to cover all your bases. Yeah, <laughs> you do. And if you were a 90s kid like me, like this was a big deal. This was like one of those – there are a couple films growing up that I grew up on the tail end of like in, in enough of a town where like there were those movies that were like the events that your whole town like gathered in, especially like teenagers. Like I think I was on the tail end of that before it just became a whole like soulless Cineplex system. Um, but uh, I know what you did last summer was a big one. 'Cause I just remember just like you know, high school, sneaking in cases of beer, sitting with everybody, <laughs> trying to sit with some girl who would like grab your arm when it was scary parts, like, yeah. And we had a good time just looking at Jennifer Love Hewitt and all them like screaming and stuff. Um of course it went quickly downhill after that, if there was even a hill that it sat on ever. I'm not sure. But uh it this is kinda cool to kinda get it back. And they're gonna do another kind of twisted take on these. And it's going to be a modern take. And, you know, I, uh, it's coming from Sarah Goodman. And I don't know what exactly that all means. And Sarah Goodman was did Preacher and Gossip Girl. So she knows kind of really how to put some twists Mix. on these genres. And there's a really smart way that this could be done. But um, if you don't know the concept, it's about a group of kids who are out partying. They hit somebody on the road. And basically, that they think they get rid of the body. But then a year later... People start, they, you know, members of this this kind of uh, hit and run crew start dying off and they, with messages left at the scene saying, I know what you did last summer.
0: Talk about a vintage 90s cast, by the way. If you want yeah. the 90s in a nutshell, you go watch this movie it's Sarah Michelle Geller, Freddie Prinze Jr., jennifer love hewitt and matthew lillard <laughs> yeah like, wow. that's 90s and a little cat oh no not from, matthew lillard uh, wait, it was also ryan lillard. felipe yes ryan that's felipe. Right. yep
1: but still yep per- yeah. quintessential uh, 90s
0: right there <laughs> with cruel intentions those those are the 90s oh movies. man yeah yeah i just watched the first one by the way like maybe a month and a half ago anisa had it all my day and then i got sucked in and like watched the rest of it just because it was like oh man i forgot about this movie you know what that's not that bad. It was actually pretty no, Still, it still it. It's a fun
1: yeah. horror B movie. It's stupid, but it's yeah. fun. The scene, like, what do you want? And, like, and just it's, like the camera, just like focusing on Jennifer Loves-Hewitt's chest as she like twirls around. You're just
0: like, man. So, and the hook man, and, 90s, and like, all that yeah. stuff. There's some really like, yeah, it was fun. I actually, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this more than like every time the new screens get announced or yeah. like the reboots or whatever. I'm kind of like over that franchise a little, but like this one feel like we haven't really mined it. So it's just kind of sat there, you know? Yeah, like,
1: and there's a great way to do this. I mean, in this modern age with, like, social media and stuff like yeah. that, the whole blackmail and the whole kind of concept of, you know, freaking somebody out with, like, I know this secret of yours and and kind of showing to them can, can really actually be fun. Like, you could do scenes with people on their cell phones and then have them get killed because the killer's, like, right there. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, and there's a lot of ways to spin it because the old – old creepy guy with the hook and the fisherman, like you can spin that into an actual kind of more fun reveal about like an, end mystery that could sustain a series. Yeah. So a doubt deepening about who this person was what their connections to people in town, like what's going on here and all that stuff. And what, maybe what this person's death does and like, and kind of catalyze it. So looking forward to this actually.
0: Who um, knew that on a, on the podcast that has the Dexter revival, that this would be the thing that excited the comic book nation crew.
1: Hey man, we like what we like. We like what we like. <laughs> and that's, that's okay. Um, all right. We're going to stop for a minute after our TV reboot uh, pull some, pay some bills. Come back. We got to talk a little bit more about what's going on Marvel comics, gaming and review star Trek discovery season three. So stay tuned for all of that. all right so we're back uh another quick update so talking about things that have been going on for long before i even started working here i think um we were hearing that uh oscar-winning writer john ridley who did uh 12 years a slave and uh wrote american crimes first season basically was going to be hooking up with marvel in doing some kind of project this was in 2015. we didn't know if it was going to be movies tv a little bit of both multiple things And now, like, it's like John Ridley day today, but uh, we finally figured out, like, what he's going to be doing for Marvel, first and foremost, and it's the thing everybody expected, which is Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood. Shink. Yeah, so uh, John Ridley will be joining Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood in uh, issue number three, which we'll see Wolverine going back to Japan and facing Silver Samurai, which, you know, it sounds like a cool, it sounds like the Wolverine, basically, in a lot of ways, but uh, with John Ridley writing it, which could be uh really cool, so um, I just thought I'd mention that because that was just very cathartic for me to finally figure out what the hell Marvel is doing for <laughs> John because it's been like it's every couple of like years, I have to do one article that's like John Ridley gives an update on Marvel things and they be like,
0: oh uh-huh. And that was like the article. It's starting to, uh, yeah, it's starting to be up there with like Expendables four and yeah, uh, n- until recently National Treasure three. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like yeah, those stories yeah. that I feel like I've written since I got to comic book. Um, yeah, I've been, yeah
1: I, I, I've been doing this like since the days when we were thinking John Ridley was making the 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 Agents of Shield third spinoff oh, that wasn't like uh, what you call it Mockingbird and uh, what you uh, most wanted yeah, most, most wanted. wanted yeah we, we thought we were getting most wanted and a john ridley spinoff
0: and uh yeah so, also i think the anthology format is just the simply the best format for wolverine like period
1: oh yeah yeah oh yeah i mean just like one-shot stories about wolverine that are kind of like deep and stuff or they're the best yeah. man yeah you don't need weird comic bookie stories but uh that's that's neither here nor there we'll get to the comics in a minute uh next announcement is that uh dragon ball super is going to be continuing for all our anime fans yeah, this has been a big question because nobody knows. The anime stopped two years ago now, which is crazy to think about. Jeez. And the manga has been going, and the, sh- the property is more popular and profitable than ever. So everybody's been like wondering, like, what is going on? Are we getting more anime? Are they going to reboot? Is there? Is going to be the next Dragon Ball series? Because every couple years, you know, every decade or so, Dragon Ball launches as a new series. You know, with Z, then GT, then Super. So we've been wondering with that. But uh, we've confirmed that after the current manga arc, which is uh been you know it started off exciting it's kind of losing its flair the manga will continue so there will be a new dragon ball story arc that is being planned as we are recording this and so that series will keep going it's not going to be a reboot right now it looks like the manga is going to keep going but we still don't know anything about the anime or the movies we have no idea but for right now it looks like the content is still going to be dragon ball super and it is going to still be moving forward so that was just a quick shout out from the anime side
0: do we know why they stopped like, why um, did they stop doing the anime? No,
1: it's actually in, you know, I hope they never answer because we write great articles that get very popular about this. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the speculation from, an, from the industry is that they don't need to. Anime, oh. <laughs> making an anime series is like one of the most costly and exhaustive, you know, labor processes you can do oh. in that industry. And Dragon Ball, like I said, has never been more popular or more profitable. And they are making these profits now off... The manga, a promo anime, um, the card game, arcade game, Dragon Ball Heroes, which is popular in Japan, various games they're releasing for consoles and stuff like that, merchandise. They're making like billions of yen, like some of the highest they, like I said, they've ever made. So they're kind of thinking is if you're making the money and your IP is still viable and you don't have to do a series to generate that money and fame, why would you? And yeah. it's kind of like. Makes sense yeah and even though fans it sucks for fans yeah but
0: it makes total business sense yeah that makes sense.
1: so they're just kind of scooping in the money anyway um yeah how long that will last nobody knows but we're we're the manga is still moving forward and since now people like us are addicted we just hype the manga as if it's just as good as an anime and people start listening i guess so there you go it's a good cycle all right moving right along matt has some gaming updates we want to get to take us through them buddy
0: all right. So uh, the big one was the new state of play, which uh, we got to see the PS5 UI. Uh, so, I mean, for those who have been on the PS4, uh, the UI has been a little like some people love it, some people hate it, some people prefer. Well, actually, it's not ra- rarely people prefer the Microsoft. <laughs> UI to that, but uh, it's got its detractors, and for me, like it is a little slow. So seeing what the PS5 can do was uh, pretty interesting. The bigger points, of course, from like the sleek layout. I mean, it's it's like a very uh, like black and gray layout. I mean, it's nice. Um, it's nothing hugely fancy, but the bigger things are like how the control center actually fits into like the overall experience. So like once you hit the PlayStation button, it'll bring up the control panel, and you'll be able to do a lot of things from there. Uh, all the it's the things that actually directly affect the game, though. So, like, for instance, if you're playing, let's say, Assassin's Creed, um, they showed uh, Sackboy, but let's say Assassin's Creed. So it'll actually pull up different, like, missions and the percentage that you are finished with them. Like, with it, like, the PlayStation pulls that up. So it's like, hey, you're on this mission in the game you're playing. Here's how much you've completed. And then it'll, like, estimate, like, how much time you have to complete that. And then it'll, like, recommend different things like within the game so like it's it's really kind of a seamless experience it'll also actually provide help so if uh one of the cool things they showed was like um without having to like leave the playstation or, like go google hey how do i get through this particular sequence or level you can actually like you can do that within the playstation it'll pull up a video that you can then like sit side by side, kind of like letterboxed, and then be playing as you're watching it all on the same screen. So like you're doing it all within the interface, which is actually, actually kind of cool. Um, they also uh, talked about some of the chat functions and how now you won't have to like, it feels like in the PS4, you have to, to do anything. You have to go through like three screens or you have to just like go out to the main screen and it's almost easier to just go out to the main screen, and like hit the top thing and go over like the old fashioned way. It's kind of easier to do that and not as quick here. It's pretty seamless. Like you'll be able to like as soon as you get an invite to chat, you'll just hit the button there. It automatically takes you to chat. You don't have to exit back out. So there's a lot of like, you know, um, quality of life things and speed up things that should like make the experience better. So like that's, that was kind of the, the bigger takeaways from that. You can actually see on, uh, on comicbook.com, of course, we have the full video that like walks you through the entire thing. Uh, It's worth watching, especially if you're kind of, you know, on the fence for things. Um, The other big thing is of course, okay. So when we got the tease that there was a third Spider-Man character in Miles Morales, everyone like flipped. And then it was a little bit of a letdown to learn that the third character was like a cat. However, once we saw the footage of said cat in the game, it's kind of amazing. So if you haven't heard essentially uh, one of the side missions in the game for uh, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales has him like helping a bodega owner. And so there's like video where you can watch kind of the side quest play out and you'll go tackle a few things for him. And you're trying to find his cat who by the way is named Spider-Man. So that's awesome. So then once you find the cat and you bring him back, you unlock a costume that is essentially really like a hoodie with like the Spider-Man mask. And it's just a couple of changes. But the biggest thing is that it has a backpack and in the backpack is the cat who has a Spider-Man mask on over like half his head. Right. And so the cat like pops out of the backpack, which is like fun, but like, okay, that's, it's like a mild visual thing. However, When you're playing in that costume, the cat actually, like, in combat, pops out of the backpack and, like, attacks people that you are attacking. It's ridiculous, and it's, like, not, like, going to sway anyone to, like, buying (laughs) buying a console or anything. But upon, I was let down when I first, like, heard the revelation that it was a cat. And then upon seeing it, and, like, it's so ridiculous and adorable that I love it. So that is definitely something you want to check out. That is a costume I imagine we'll be seeing a lot of videos of uh, when that game actually releases. Uh, Final thing is you can actually go to comicbook.com to check out all of our uh, deep dive impressions on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You can also, they released like a full developer walkthrough where they walked through raids and a bunch of different story missions. I want to say it is flitting. I thought it was flighting at first, but I believe they pronounced it flitting, uh, which is the like, Viking rap battle that you can do within the game. So it's essentially like you you have a, a choice, a couple of different choices to pick of insults to throw at the other person. And then they come back at you and it's this whole like back and forth rap battle thing. Um, they showed some of that off. They showed some of the dice game stuff. The raids look really fun. And uh, the system is like greatly expanded. You'll still be sailing uh, like you were in Odyssey. But a lot of those things that we love in Odyssey are coming back but they did tweak some stuff. So like one of the biggest things is the modern day storyline uh, in Odyssey and Origins uh, has involved Layla Hassan. And typically what happens in Assassin's Creed games is that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you're taken out of the Animus and you're thrown to the modern day. And so then you do like a sequence and then you go back into the Animus. Here, they want to kind of change that up and make it more organic. So like as Evor, um, you're going to find different uh, like artifacts and things within the world that will like let you, you're staying in the animus, but then you'll do things as Layla and it will have implications on the modern day story. And so it's, but it's all within the animus and you're not really like, separating them it's supposed to be a lot more organic you can do them if you some of them if you want others you don't have to but it'll all flesh out the overall story so that's really that's really cool and I think that's uh something that fans have wanted from the modern day for a while also they said it will conclude her modern day story uh not the overall modern day story but Layla's specifically which has actually been really good over the last couple of games so lots of stuff you can check out on comicbook.com if you want more info but that is gaming all right thanks matt
1: moving right along that's our newsflash let's get into our deep dive today we are going to be talking about star trek discovery season three feels like wow i mean jamie love it it feels like it's been uh it was like a whole other world when we last left star trek discovery uh i feel yeah. like we were in a different timeline let alone the discovery characters so um if you don't remember um star trek discovery was launched and it was a originally a kind of prequel to the original series. Uh, it was about Captain Michael Burnham, who was Spock's half-sister, who was involved in this big kind of incident in the Klingon War. And the first season kind of dealt with like all of that and trying to f- prevent the Klingon War. The second season got a little more trippy and Star Trek-y as it went into kind of um, the mystery of this red angel that we found out came from the future to prevent this AI from kind of rising up and causing this kind of AI apocalypse from the basically start within Starfleet secret service, which is Section 6, I think it is. Section
2: 31.
1: 31. Section 6 is somebody else's secret team. <laughs> um, 31. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that all kind of got averted. We met Spock, and we set up the events of the original kind of Enterprise crew with Captain Pike and Number One, and Spock, who will now spin off into their own, own series, Worlds Beyond. Uh, but this, at the end, to kind of prevent a lot of timey-wimey stuff and make sure that everything in the timeline kind of fit together. Discovery had to take itself out of the equation by transporting the crew, the ship, and Michael Burnham into the future. Which is where we pick up with Star Trek Discovery season three with uh, Michael Burnham literally crash landing into the future and what all happens there. Uh, Jamie, you reviewed this uh, premiere episode. Is that all you've seen so far?
2: Uh, I've seen the first four episodes. Okay,
1: good. Uh (laughs) Yes. Do you, uh, why don't you give us a kind of non-spoiler impression of how Star Trek Discovery Season 3 unfolds? Uh,
2: so, as you see, if you watch the first episode, uh, Michael does not come out alongside the Discovery. So, at the very beginning, she and the Discovery are trying to find each other. Um, the This is complicated by uh, The Burn, which is this event that they talk about in the first episode where all of the dilithium, not all of it, most of the dilithium just stopped working one day. And dilithium is needed for warp travel. So a whole bunch of starships exploded and now traveling around the galaxy is way harder than it used to be. Uh, And what this does is essentially it turns the galaxy into the Wild West again. The Federation has essentially faded away because it couldn't maintain control over this vast spread of space that it used to Uh, have members throughout because if you can't go to warp travel you can barely get out of the solar system never mind to Vulcan or wherever else you're looking to go Uh, so that's what the the season is dealing with it's 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 turned space into a frontier again and uh, the the overarching story seems to be about uh, the Discovery crew finding a purpose in this new future and that ties to uh, the literal search for the Federation in this new, new galaxy they landed in. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's really uh, it's really interesting. It makes the Star Trek feel a lot more dangerous than it has, especially during like the Next Gen era. Uh, it, it's almost kind of a callback to the original series where Gene Roddenberry's original pitch was wagon train to the stars, so sci-fi western and and this has a little bit of that spirit in it as well. Uh, I think it's very good, and I think it's very interesting. Uh, Yeah, I think it's also very relevant. Uh, You know, we're living in an era where fossil fuels are being whittled away, and suddenly the most common fuel for space travel disappears from the Star Trek universe. Uh, I feel like the writers knew what they were doing with that setup.
1: All right, so I've seen the first episode, and... I could say that I agree to with what Jamie's saying in terms of what this kind of narrative premise does for the entire premise of this Star Trek story in the sense that you are now back in a universe. I mean, Star Trek's kind of excitement was the, or, or kind of what can make it mundane is that there is so much technology and kind of things that are, are, are handled with ease. There's always like some science-y, YNT-y like explanation for, for how you can get around everything. And this does present more of a, a wild west. It's kind of, it's not, it's the good part of like the Han Solo Star wars feel without copying that uh, in the sense that this first episode, you know, Sonequa Martin-Green's character meets this guy who is a more experienced kind of hustler in this uh, world, Cleveland Booker is his name, David Aj- Ajala, who's a great actor. Um, and basically he's like a Han Solo type and, and has to kind of run her through the ropes of basically how to survive in in this thing where she has all these, like has no frame of reference for how to behave. And is so like a fish out of water because she is from the Federation in this order, in this kind of science, like, you know, in this logical science-based kind of world that has completely fallen apart. Um, And so this first episode is exciting because it is, it is very high noon Western in space. It is like some kind of prospector who meets this like weirder and they have to go into town and face other, kind of outlaws and things like that and, and go on this epic street out. But they do it in a creative way and there's some creative changes with like, instead of like teleporters, everybody has these like personal teleporters. And so they're kind of doing this chase sequence that's over teleporting and trying to get away. It's kind of Rick and Morty-ish cool. um, in a kind of cool way. Um, yeah, but it, it forces kind of new elements out of the characters and introduces kind of cool things. And there is this uncertainty and unknownness to the universe, which ironically, Star Trek is supposed to be about discovery, but because mythos has been just so mined and explored and explained like it's hard to go anywhere in the universe anymore and feel like you're you're going somewhere new because everything has to call back to this race or this quadrant or that thing and this is kind of completely like literally new figuratively figuratively and literally new space um so i'm hoping like i hope the discovery the reunite because i've seen the seasonal trailer and we know michael burnham gets back and they start this new mission i want to get to that because That I hope doesn't get drawn out too long because them and the discovery crew, what I like is they're not on this like desperate mission to get back to the past. It's like, Oh, we're in the future now. So now we're the future star Trek show. Like we're the prequel show. Now we're the future show. And it's like, that's an exciting premise because we've we're we've not done that yet. Like we've not been here yet. Um, And there are interesting questions about the causality of what led to this and what happens and how it can tie back to some of these other series from Star Trek uh, that, that are on also on CBS, namely Picard and even worlds beyond in some ways. So.
2: It already did with um, it's strange new world, by the strange way. World new world. Beyond, Thank you. World beyond is the walking, walking dead. dead, dead. Oh, God, Your favorite walking dead, dead show.
1: Yeah. Don't confuse um, those two.
2: But you were talking about tiebacks. Uh, I thought it was interesting. They, they perfect purposely, sent them just far enough in the future to skip all the time travel stuff from Star Trek enterprise, and then made that line about how they're uh, they destroyed and outlawed all the time travel stuff. So that is now literally just entirely off the table uh, without messing up any of the continuity that came before it, which I thought was very clever, but yeah, this is the first time since, you know, next generation took place a hundred years after the original series And everything since then, except for Enterprise, which was a prequel, has been pretty much just building on next generation. Now we're jumping almost a thousand years in the future. This is So this is the first time since next gen, really, that we have the chance to develop this entirely new era of the Star Trek universe. Uh, So yeah, I think that's really exciting. And I'm interested to see what they do with it.
1: And I think it is finally modern Star Trek kind of finding this ground where they've been struggling to Do something that is modern, more complicated, even more edgy on streaming and appease fans that want that Roddenberry light of hope in the universe kind of thing. And what this premise does is set up a challenge that I mean, it's a challenge, but it can be met of once again. Kind of taking the chaos of the real world now and the division and all that stuff and using Starfleet as the metaphor it was supposed to be of brightness, hope, unification, and all that stuff, and literally building that up again in front of us uh, on this kind of chaotic real world, or kind of, it's in the future, but it's m- of course meant to mirror the chaoticness and division of the world we live in now, the cap- the unrestrained capitalism, all this stuff you're already beginning to see, like everybody just looking out for themselves and like all this kind of mentality. So um, it's kind of a good, just a Star Trek reminder in a way of the core principles of the series. If And it, it's some heavy lifting, they got to pull it off, but- it's possible. So I'm kind of excited, excited to see how that goes and to just write about and look into like an entire mythology of what Star Trek's future looks like. So uh, happy to have Discovery back, definitely. For
2: sure. That sounds oh.
1: awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, you should watch, watch the show. The <laughs> show. This, <laughs> you would I'm love not, this
1: series. Like, I'm not I, the
0: biggest Star Trek person. Like, I just never have, but like, that sounds so cool. Like, Discovery cool. is for people who didn't
1: necessarily get into Star Trek. Okay. It is like Star Trek for the people yeah. who didn't feel necessarily. Like Disco- I say, there's. Um, Burnham's friend. It's been so long since I've watched the season two. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, Tilly, there's so many characters I know you would love on this thing. You would love characters like Tilly, Saru, oh, yeah. like all, all of these people, like the kind of comedic kind of cute stuff. You, you'd love that stuff.
2: Can I say, uh, I, I also love that they seem to be comfortable enough to have some fun with these characters. Now that yeah. sequence of, of, uh, Burnham, uh, getting shot with the stuff that makes her high is yeah. just was, I, I love that scene. That whole sequence, I think equal Martin Green.
1: Yeah, there's a lot uh, of things. is fantastic in that
2: role doing that.
1: There's a lot that I like about the season three on the technical level. First of all, they got a budget. I was just like from that first sequence oh, when she put yeah. it. I was like, oh, look at Star Trek Discovery's got some money now. Like, look at these effects. I was like, man, there's some extra space debris they got to put in. Like, yeah. Um, so all of that, the effects were great, and especially that bit, first sequence of her coming out. And like, yeah, they they obviously like trust the actors in the show a lot more now. Like, it's not just the – they're not making them march through the rigidity of Star Trek. Like, they let Sonequa Martin-Green, like, have a scene like that where she's just, like, on some weird yeah. alien tr- future truth serum and doesn't know how to handle it. And she's, like, wonderful at acting. And yeah, same thing with, um like, with, what's his name? Like, who was just really great. David Ajala just kind of, like, hamming it up and just having some fun and their Banter and all of that, like, made this episode actually kind of really focused and fun on, a, like, a smaller level. So. Mm-hmm. I agree like yeah I hope that continues because I mean this cast has really settled in and there are so many just great character actors on this like like I said Tilly's great um Doug Jones Jones as Saru has been Mm -hmm. like just like one of his best roles and I always forget her name but uh I love the mechanic that they picked up in season two and uh uh,
2: Jet Reno played by uh Tignatero
1: yeah she's amazing in the show also mm-hmm. Anthony the rap of course like so yeah i hope they, they just let that cast kind of breathe and of course michelle yo just is fantastic in this and already looks like she, she's stealing she scenes.
2: really eats up some scenes in this uh these first few episodes
1: yeah so that's that's gonna be great so yeah on the excellent cbs all access star trek discovery like i said i for this every time star trek comes around but if you're not getting back in get into discovery picard like this stuff, and it feels like it's all building into almost like slowly but inorganically, like its own larger kind of universe that could one day even have big events and stuff. So I'm kind of they said they got a plan till 2027. So get I on, believe board. them. I believe them. All right, that's Star Trek. We're gonna hop out of that and into comics. So this week's comics, we're gonna uh, talk about. We're gonna talk about uh X of, or Ten of Swords or Ten of Swords. We'll go with Ten of Swords. Um, The x-men event we're gonna get our latest update matt matt jim and charlie did one on last friday's show so i think we're gonna take these every friday because we got to read all these books and kind of put it together in our heads but uh, i actually wanted to start with amazing spider-man this week so amazing spider-man we haven't really gotten into that i mean because it's i mean it's been here but it's not like my favorite thing in the world uh, these days. The Spider-Man mythology has gotten kind of convoluted with characters and totems and stuff. But um, there has been this interesting thing since this new iteration of Amazing Spider-Man launched. There has been this villain kind of lurking around the, uh, around the edges. And when I wrote about this, I said, you know, it's been a while since Spider-Man's done this long of a villain buildup. I think even since like the Green Goblin mystery days, um, the classic one about who this kind of weird overarching villain dude who keeps showing up is, Kindred. Uh, who's basically, like, some scarier version of X-Men's maggot, who I bet Matt part was <laughs> maggot for a long time. But rolls around with He centip- does have a similar vibe. And, yeah, with centipedes yeah. and stuff like that. Um, Eeny and meeny, man. And so, this is Amazing Spider-Man 50 is when they drop the reveal of who Kindred is and, like, how he's tied to Spider-Man and it's a, it's a weird issue, to be, to be fair. It is a kind of weird By issue. By the way,
0: full spoiler's coming.
1: Yeah, full spoiler's this. coming in. We're going to talk about this, so if you don't want to know some major spoilers for Amazing Spider-Man, please just skip ahead because we're going to be talking about spoilers about all these comics, but this is a major enough that I put like several spoiler warnings in this article. But we learned basically last spoiler warning that Kindred is actually Harry Osborn. Da um, da The resurrected Harry Osborn who's been kind of resurrected in this demonic form and has been kind of mastermind pulling the strings around Peter Parker's life, Uh, like I said, since I think about, what, issue five of this new Amazing Spider-Man series? Yeah, they've been playing in that
0: for a long time.
1: Long time. And how we get this is indirectly, because this issue, Kindred's starting to make some big moves to kind of really mess with Peter Parker directly by digging up Captain George Stacy and Gwen Stacy's corpse, and he's doing a kind of Joker-style death of the family, let's have dinner-type deal, um, meanwhile, we're kind of coming off this return of the Green Goblin storyline where Peter Parker kind of had to make that Batman Joker. There's a lot of Batman vibes in this Spider Man story, but uh, where he had to do that Batman Joker, like kill him, save a lot more people type deal. And he decided to, Peter Parker kind of made the half assed decision not to kill Norman himself, but throw him out of the safety vessel and leave him for Sin Eater to kind of get. And so in this issue, of course, Sin Eater does catch up to Norman Osborn. And you know, blast him. <laughs> Although I do love Norman's like final quote unquote death sequence because he goes through the various personalities of Norman Osborn, yeah. which was great to show just how crazy this dude is. Like, you know, at first he's just like angry villain or he's egomaniac. Like, who do you think you are? You can't take me. Then he becomes like e- angry, like maniacal, abusive Norman. And then he becomes, like, sane Norman, like, oh, I just need help. And then Green Goblin comes out, like, yeah, that's all BS. <laughs> like, just smoke this fool, which is my favorite part of this issue, that the Goblin persona is like, yeah, at this point, just smoke this fool because I'm done with him. Like, I don't yeah, need Yeah, that was anymore. great. I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah, and this creepy picture of him, like, looking through the mask guy. Um, but he gets blasted, and... Well, I think this is all kind of weird. Is Sin Eater such a crap character to me. I hate him <laughs> like really bad. Like his like, what, his, whole, how you
0: really feel. like his whole
1: powers <laughs> and stuff. I hate it whenever comics begin to get into things that are like, stunt, like begin to get into religious mythology, unless they're like playing on re- religious mythology. Like Thor is okay. I don't have to have an argument about Norse mythology with anybody to enjoy Thor. But like once you get into like the nature of sins and all that stuff and Sin Eater blasting people and taking their sins, like it gets weird. It gets even weirder with whatever the hell Kindred is doing like with this Sin Eater power. But uh, he kind of draws that out of Sin Eater once because I guess Norman's like the end of his Sin Eater collection um, that Kindred then uses to kind of somehow infect the spider people, which is some weird thing that's still unfolding. But the offshoot is that when Norman Osborn, of course, wakes up and now he's like good Norman Osborn because he doesn't have all this evil stuff inside of him. And he kind of lets Dr. Caffler's clone lady know that You know, he's known that for a while that Kindred is Harry Osborn. Um, And we see Kindred looking in the mirror. And, of course, he sees himself as Harry Osborn still. So what do you guys think? Because there's been some big, (laughs) crazy reveals of Spider-Man over the years, especially when the Osborns are concerned. The first Green Goblin is still one of my favorite storylines because that was such a mystery about who this Green Goblin was. And then you find out it's like Spider-Man's good dad and that broke everybody's heart to kill Gwen Stacy, did all that. The other big one I remember was from the '90s when we found out at the end of the crappy, 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 crappy clone saga.
0: Kane? uh, Are you gonna say Kane or Ben Riley?
1: No, neither. That at the end of all that, after Kane reveal, the Jackal reveal, all that—that of course it's revealed that pulling. Oh, he was the. That was Norman Osborn who was still alive and hadn't been around in many, 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 many years. Mm -hmm. um, Which was actually a good reveal. That was actually like one that like blew my mind. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this one?
2: Uh, I, I think I am at the point with the Osborne family. I haven't really been following this run because I read some issues and it just did nothing for me. But I think I am at the point with the Osborne family stuff that I am with the Joker stuff and Batman where it's like, just please give it a rest for a while. Like, every mystery yeah. ends up being it's Norman's back or in this case it's Harry's back or the Joker's back, whatever.
0: It's, yeah, it's, I... I agree with didn't,
2: that. Didn't we already do specifically this reveal? Like when Harry was the second Green Goblin or whatever? Yes.
0: Yeah. Like it feels like such, <laughs> a I, such a retread. I feel like an apt... Of, and, and Joker's a good one too. I, I feel like an apt comparison is always Zoom in Flash. Every reveal... Yep. It feels like in the last ten years of Flashbooks, it's always Zoom. <laughs> so that last page is always hey, "I'm back" or "I'm dead." I'm not dead. I was turned inside out. Like whatever I'm it dying is at right the moment, now, but I'm yeah, not dead yet. It's always Zoom, and every time I'm deflated, I'm like, "Oh my god, i so sick of this." I I feel that way. I felt at least a little shock because, and this will this will come as more. I c- I couldn't remember when like what Harry Osborn was like. I didn't remember if he was dead, alive, uh, like stuck somewhere. You know, God, like, I didn't remember. Honestly. So I was like, "Oh, hey, Harry!" But it wasn't out of like, "Oh, that's a great thing." It was just like, "I don't I don't know what happened to him." So okay, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with Jamie. Like when it comes to the Osborns, Osborns, Jokers, Zoom, like those characters and those concepts just need like a really long break, not like comic book break. Cause like comic book break, you know, like they'll take no. 20 issues off or Dude, whatever like, a year. It needs like, I need 20, like three like, years. Yeah. No, like, let's <laughs> be clear. Why I like the Spider-Man
1: clone reveal of Norman Osborn. Cause it had been like, what, like 15, 20 years since like had, Norman Osborn had died in comics. And he had been dead. It That was a, like,
2: that was Bucky resurrection level. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like it's been a minute.
0: Yeah. You can't so, get like, those anymore because they yeah. do it two years in or a year in or 20 issues in. It just always well, feels like I just saw him.
2: Yeah, there's this vicious cycle where they can't build new villains because in order to hook readers, you have to have a mystery. But then when you reveal the mystery, it has to be a big enough payoff to matter. But because you didn't build up any new villains, the only thing you have to fall back on for that reveal is an old villain. And it's the same old villain you've done for the last three cliffhanger reveals. Uh, yeah. So because you know they're so reliant on those Last page reveals to Hook Readers In. they keep having to use the same reveals over and over again. They can't create these new villains that have the same weight as the Joker or Norman Osborne or
0: whatever.: When was the last new Spider-Man villain that like really stuck? Like When was the last one?
2: Uh there negative. Ooh.
0: Yeah, Mr. Negative say, is the
2: negative. first one to come to mind.
1: I mean, he's the one who's got the most fame now, right? Okay, so that's yeah, yeah, that's the one I mean, that's like probably Carnage before that.
0: That's been a minute,
1: uh,
2: yeah, that was the <laughs> 90s. That was a minute, yeah, I And mean, like, you, like, I, count I don't Superior count...
0: Spider Man, I don't know. It's like allies, I think, like you know, uh, Flash Thompson, Venom, I think, comes to mind like that, but like, that's relatively recent in comic book time anyway. But like, but villains, It's it's been a while, yeah, it, that character has some of the best villains ever but i feel like that character is in desperate need of a new threat because yeah i'm, I'm really flash too. flash f- please for the love of lord forget <laughs> flash a new villain i'm so tired <laughs> of the rogues and i am tired of zoom uh but yeah like i feel like that character needs a, a little yeah. shot
1: yeah i think um, we're gonna move on to just get to ten of swords but um I think the most telling thing that for me was, I wrote up two articles from this one that it was Harry, who's kindred and one that Norman Osborn is apparently like now soul cleansed and good. And as I was writing it, I think it's telling that I was more interested in the Norman part than the Harry part. Cause I was like, that's going to really mess with people's minds. If Norman Osborn is suddenly a good guy, like for real. Yeah. Like, first of all, that would mentally F Spider-Man for a long time. He'd be like paranoid forever Two. The what you could do with Norman Osborn in a larger Marvel universe as an actual altruistic, good-meaning person um, would be interesting. I mean, you're basically creating a replacement for Tony Stark, who's like a more demented Tony Stark, um, which could be kind of interesting. Um, this has
2: a this has clone Magneto energy to me. Remember
1: oh, Joseph? No.
0: Joseph? Yeah. Oh, oh, God! Stop uh, it!
1: No, don't bring that. No need did. to bring up Joseph. We've all forgotten that. There's a lot of those late 90s X-Men things uh, we all want to forget. Poor Jesus. Never forget. Oh, no, please, God. All right. So let's end today on uh Maggot's better swords. than Joseph. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, but yes, he is. Um, <laughs> and if Kindred has any right to exist, Maggot does too. Let's be real. Uh, but Ten of Swords. So um, when we last we left off, uh, Matt, you, you had done like the Wolverine, like a uh, story. Yeah, the Wolverine. Marauders stuff. Uh, basically, Wolverine getting the Maramusa Mara, Mara... Is it Maramusa in this? Yes. The Muramasa the Maramusa, sword. Muramasa sword. Right? And um, yeah, right. and Storm in that excellent kind of one-shot about Storm getting uh, the Black, the uh, Wakanda sword that she needed, and that kind of whole fallout. Uh, this week was Hellions, New Mutants, and Cable. Um, and I think after kind of being this far into it now? Because what are we like? We're like about, what, seven issues in?
0: This is chapter
1: eight? No, six, seven, and eight. This was six, seven, eight. Yeah. yeah. So we're eight chapters in of 22. All right. Um, I can say that what I like right now is I like the stories more that go in depth about the individual warriors in the tournament and like yes. what they're going through. And, what, and that builds it up more than the larger kind of Krakoa-ness of it all and the universe of all those stories about the individual warriors, like what they're up against in these fights and kind of emotionally and just strategically and everything are much more interesting to me. And so the books that kind of lean into that more heavily, I'm enjoying more. Uh, and the books that don't, I enjoy less, but the good news is most of them so far have leaned into that. So like, I really like the, the, uh, the Wolverine solemn stuff. I like the storm stuff. And so this week, it just basically boils down to me saying that this week, I really like the Doug Ramsey magic yeah, stuff. Yeah, New like Mutants. That. New Mutants was good in Doug Ramsey's whole dilemma about going into this fight. Uh, I wish Cable could have leaned more into some of the stuff they start. I feel like the Summers family thing, Hickman has like made as his cool squad, so everything has with them has to always be cool and kind of like all their fights are cool. You never really have to see how they end. They just win by blasting the people or whatever and then just like later on while they're chilling. So that kind of... a Ticks on me because I would have liked to see more of the Cyclops Cable father son like I'm sending my child into a mortal battle type deal um because that was kind of the more interesting parts of that issue so much so than the kind of big sword facility invasion thing um and Hellions was just weird Hellions was just kind of a
0: a weird I loved that book oh so I love Hellions that. oh I know yeah, I'm, I not, I'm say. not saying
1: it's by I'm not saying it's bad I'm saying it, it's definitely outside. Yeah, the normal beats of this storyline so far. Like uh, There's
2: there's no way they succeed, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just, let's see how they fail. they should be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but funny. I, what love- makes that, I think I'm going to start <laughs> reading that book more now because I haven't really gotten into it after this issue. But just because of the kind of comedic
0: dynamics of that book are uh-huh. so good. When they're um, having the Nanny interplays. get up on the horse and they and you, <laughs> it's just random. But like you come back to them and she's like, get me down. And there's, just, there's all these little stupid. Oh, my God. That book made me
1: laugh. So a, I mean. Times just the quiet council meeting is like the best quiet council meeting we've ever had in this one yep. sinisters like thinks he's gotten away with it. And then he has to open his mouth and then like, yeah, the vote changes, mm-hmm. Magneto changes. Yeah. like those things. And that's like what the fun of like this X-Men stuff was, was putting all these characters on the same Island, forcing them to kind of interact with each other. These classic kind of like evil mutants and heroes and just seeing the character dynamics collide is, is like really half the fun. So I actually did like Hellions. I mean, it was the only chapter that feels like an aside from the yeah. story, aside from, like, as opposed to being, like, the story. Cable but, felt uh, like a
0: waste of space.
1: Yeah, the Cable, was like, so, yeah. <laughs>
0: that was so, but as like, I said, like, I,
1: I, I think the weakest part about these X-Men stories are the summer stories because they are like treated like they're just the cool family. Right. And like they're becoming feeling like more like Fantastic Four than X-Men. And so Cable
0: started the whole thing. He put the thing in the engine. The book literally begins, Hey, I'm going to start this thing. All right. Well, now we screwed up. And so we're going to battle a bunch of stuff in the middle and I'm going to go fix what I did at the beginning, take the sword out. And then I bring the sword like it's, it's a complete circle. And aside from cool Cyclops moments, there's nothing in that book, Jamie. It's setting up things to... I I really like the
2: character interactions in that book, what they were. What character interactions? The the stuff between Cable and Cyclops, like the the way Cyclops tries to talk Cable out of it and the way Cable's like, I know I'm a teenager now, but I'm still Cable. Like, I enjoyed that stuff. But the important thing... The important thing in that book (laughs) isn't that Cable put the sword in and took it out. It's that Saturnine told him to go do that it's laying no. groundwork for stuff that's going to come, especially in the sword
1: book afterwards. But yeah, that gate and what that means and all that. Yeah, stuff. Like, like wh- is, why okay. did
2: Saturnine want them to go see that?
0: Because why she, did you want him to turn that thing He says it in the page though. Like he says it on that same page of like, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean like you're, you're wrong. Like those things sure. he's saying is like, yeah, they tried to double. It's pretty apparent. Like it's not a complicated mystery that they're trying to well, solve. Here. Like the I, door I, and the species but, are cool. But, but, you to, but, but you have to but you have to lay know, that groundwork. Yeah. You can't but just think have Jamie's a gate
2: full of aliens pop up in chapter, you know, in chapter twenty one if you didn't lay the groundwork in chapter eight.
1: Yeah, and it also it's also you what they've been subtly that. doing in the charts and in each book is beginning to deep. These aren't just kind of symbolic objects these people are getting. These swords each have a history, they each have a power, and they're taking careful time to kind of Thread you with knowledge about what each of these artifacts is, what kind of properties they have, and what makes them uniquely powerful. And the kind of whole thing that's still a big if is if Saturnine is still, if this is a straight up as she's making it, like a tournament, because in like yeah. people just kill each other, and then what happens to the swords, and then they just decide because all of these objects gathered together, you know, theoretically can, can do something like really kind of crazy.
2: I'm a little. I'm a little unclear now if it's a tournament or like just a big melee because magic tells Doug to stay near her when the fighting starts. I'm like, I don't think that's how a tournament works. He can't go into his fight and then just run behind you. Uh, I don't know where that was. Um, But yeah, I reviewed the first issue of this for the site and I said it reminded me of Lord of the Rings. And it's still like, to me, this has the feeling of like a fantasy novel. Like every issue feels like a chapter. Uh, and so it feels rewarding to read them one after another. They're not all isolated Mm -hmm. and yet every series still feels like itself. Like Hellions still feels like Hellions. Uh, so I really, I think it's a big credit to, uh, Hickman and the entire X office team, that they were able to pull off such a well-structured event like this, because that's very easy to mess up and just be a big, you know, a big nineties crossover mess type deal.
1: Yeah, no, we've we've all, I think we've said the same things in our other discussions about this, that this is both blessedly simple and deeply and deep at the same time. Um, give them swords. Um, yeah. it's,
2: it's so, so simple, so brilliant.
1: Yeah, but um, all right, that's all the time we have today. But we're going to stick with uh, 10 of swords or X of swords, your favorite pronunciation as it unfolds each week. So stay tuned for all of that. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in so all uh, as always, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can listen in on the site or you can listen on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, you can tell smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast or you can watch episodes live on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday or if you don't catch them live, you can find us at the Comic Book Nation YouTube page. If you want to talk to us, select drop any topics or just get into following the show. We now have the official at Comic Book Nation Twitter account that you can follow. You can follow us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB.
2: You can find me at Jamie Lovett.
1: If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. After this COVID madness is over, we're going to get into our merch closet. We have a bunch of t-shirts to send out to all our five-star reviewers, and we want to send you one, so leave us a five-star review. Ooh. Otherwise, that'll do it. Thank you for tuning in for Comic Book Nation. Stay checked in, stay tuned in. We will see you guys next time. Peace. Deuces.